0: All right, so it is currently one nothing I am early on in game six of the second round of the NHL playoffs. It is just a solo show tonight because my irresponsible co-host actually had the nerve to actually be at the Coliseum tonight. So I guess congrats for him, you big jerk. Um, but we are going to talk with, I think, one of the rare smart Actual people who talks about baseball on Twitter. And that's Danzo. So, if you're not following him, just give him a follow. Because uh, most people are usually full of crap. But he makes great tweets. Breaks out good opinions. Uh, into the stats. So, we're going to talk Garrett Cole. We're going to talk Yankees. throwing some NFL and NBA playoffs in there. And it should be a really good talk. For James' sake, maybe the Anders will win. And they'll go to a Eastern Conference Finals for the second consecutive year in a row. Which, you know, they'd have to play the Tampa Bay Lightning again. So, who knows how that plays out. But, hope you guys enjoy tonight's pod. As it should be very interesting. Alright, so we're just going to get right into it, and we are here with the man Stanzo of Twitter. Awesome Twitter account, you guys should check that out, give him a follow. Uh, it's been Garrett Cole for the past couple days, and in about 20 to 15 minutes he'll take the mound against Josh Donaldson and his Rip protector. So, what do you want to see from him tonight, and what did you think? The way he handled the press conference question yesterday?
1: I mean, the press conference question, obviously, he didn't have a good answer for. Like, let's be honest, anytime you stutter a couple times and take 15 seconds to really begin your answer, it's not a good answer. That being said, once he got into it, I didn't really think what he said was all that wrong. He's not going to come out and say yes. He's not going to say no. At the end of the day, everyone knows he's using this stuff, but so is a lot of the rest of the league. So, you know, I didn't really think it was his responsibility to come out and say, yeah, I have used it or no, I haven't. I just wish he was a little bit more prepared for it. And what I want to see out of him, I just want to see him dominate tonight. You know, he wasn't all that sharp last time out against Tampa. I uh, didn't have a ton of help from the umpires there, but still, you know, Not a good start from him. And the Yankees need wins right now. So I know a lot of people maybe want to see Donaldson get hit. I personally don't care. I think that would kind of look stupid. I just want Cole to blow 100 past him strike him out a couple times. You know, go seven strong innings and get the Yankees a win.
0: I agree. I'm with you because not only does that give the Twins a base runner, it gives them extra edge. Plus, if Donaldson gets hit, that means either Judge or Stanton takes one. So is is it really worth it? If if they have to miss a couple games, then what happens? Garrett Cole gets suspended for a start or two. So what's the point of I I don't get why people want 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 him to hit Donaldson.
1: Absolutely, bro. I I don't think Garrett Cole cares to be honest with you. I know he made the the low hanging brute comment. I think he can take it. Garrett Cole's the kind of guy he wants to win and he wants to be a team guy. You know, if, if Donaldson had called out one of his teammates or something, I honestly think that would make it more likely that Cole would go and hit someone, but I don't think Garrett Cole is the kind of guy where he needs to go out and hit someone because, you know, he's being bad
0: browsing in the media. I think he could shake that off, and he just wants to go out and kick ass. Now, the Yankees are currently 6.5 out of the AL East, 2.5 out of the wild card. At what point do you say, hey, the East, there's just no point in getting it, let's focus on one of the wild card spots?
1: It's tough, right? I mean, I, I think not now, for sure. Not now. Uh, we've seen crazier things happen. You know, six and a half games on June 9th is by no means insurmountable. But at the same time, the division is good. You know, the, I think the Blue Jays are going to win more games than they have. Uh, the Rays, you know, even though the, the run they're on is not sustainable, you know, I think they're like 21-4 and four in their last 25. They've proven to be a good team. And the Red Sox aren't going anywhere. So, I'm not hitting the panic button on the AL East yet, but at the same time, they need to figure it out now. And really what they need to do is they need to beat some of these AL East opponents. You know, they're, they're losing the season series to all three of those teams I just mentioned, and they're not beating up on the Orioles the same way they have. So if they go through the next couple series and, you know, Get swept at home again, or lose two out of three at home again. To some of these teams, then maybe you have got to give up the division dream. But you know, for now, they just got to get themselves right and you know really go into some of these series against the division rivals. You know, Red Sox later this month. Uh, I think they got the Blue Jays next week.
0: They just got to get right and you know win some of those series. Yeah, fourteen and twenty-one in the AL East is definitely a problem. We got trade deadline next month. I will. We all would like Max Scherz and Trevor Story. But that's not going to happen. Cattell Marte, maybe. What do you think is a realistic trade deadline piece that Brian Cashman will make?
1: I think it's really tough because, to be honest with you, I don't see the Yankees going over the luxury tax. You know, the way they operated this offseason, the team really needed a couple more reinforcements in certain areas. I think this would be a lot better looking of a team, even if they went to you know maybe two hundred thirty million instead of staying under two hundred ten uh it seemed like staying under the tax is a goal and i don't see them abandoning that goal i'm holding out hope that maybe now uh stadium's about to get back to 100 percent capacity they're bringing in money uh and the performance of the team maybe that prompts how to go over i just don't see it happening so whoever you're going to look to trade for it's got to be someone with a small salary Marseille would make sense he could potentially fit especially if you have to Dynamax eat a little bit of his money this year I don't see Cashman giving up that big of a trade package, even if he is available. Maybe a Joey Gallo makes sense. Uh, I think a David Peralta makes sense. He's not necessarily a move-the-needle guy. I think he fits. They need to get an outfielder somewhere. So I I, I do think they end up bringing in one bat. I don't know that it's the impact bat that anyone is really clamoring for, and that scares me because we do need an impact outfield bat.
0: Now, he's not, he's not starting tonight for obvious reasons because of who's on the mound. But at what point, if you're Gary Cole, you just got to say, you know what, I, I think he's a trash defensive catcher, but he's hitting so good, maybe I just have to say, you know what, Gary Sanchez is my catcher. At what point do you think the Yankees will have to realize that?
1: I mean, I would have hoped tonight, to be honest with you, I'm pretty pretty pissed that Gary's not in the lineup at the same time. You could argue this is Cole's biggest regular season start as a Yankee, you know, with everything on the line and his name. for not wanting to switch things up and, and not throw to a guy that he hasn't thrown to in two months and Gary tonight. Uh, but it... it it really does suck. I mean, you look at it moving forward. If Gary keeps hitting this way, you know, you get into a potential uh, playoff situation or World Series situation, God forbid. You know, do you really want to have him sitting on the bench when he's one of the best hitters on the team? So that's obviously a long ways away. I wish the Yankees could have gotten creative tonight. I know a lot of people were saying, sit, stand. I don't want to sit, stand. He had two hits last night. He's barely places coming off the aisle. you got to get him in a rhythm. I would say maybe throw Gary at first base tonight just be- just because, you know, it's not like you need to keep uh, – Either Gittins or O'Dor in the lineup get creative, but it, it sucks. I wish Gary was catching tonight. At the same time, I get why he's not. But it's just a it's just a messed up situation all around.
0: Yeah, because that is a really tough spot. Because let's let's say it's game one of, game one of the wild card or game one of the LDS. If if you don't start Gary be on the plate, you have to date, which means Stanton does not play, which means Judge can't rest his feet. He has to be in right field. So, th- I guess the question is, if at some point Gary is going to catch Cole, then you know what? You have to do that now so that he's not starting a postseason start first time pitching to Gary Sanchez, and Garrett Cole has a problem with that. that- that's not good. You've you- you got to make him as happy as possible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you know you do get into a playoff scenario or a big game September scenario where you're saying, I need Gary's bat in the lineup, I need him to catch Garrett Cole, that's something you've got to try a couple times throughout the season. The problem is you would think that the Yankees could have a cushion where you know they're going to at least make the playoffs and kind of mess around like that. That's not the case right now. So they got to win some games. Maybe next time through, depending on how the series lines up, They throw Gary back there. I would like to see them give it a chance sooner rather than later because just the way this whole team is swinging the bats with Gary
0: this hot, it is tough to sit him on the bench right now. All right. Let's say season ends tonight. You are Hal Steinbrenner. Yankees miss the playoffs. Are you firing Cashman and Aaron Boone?
1: Boone, absolutely. I think that's a no-brainer. Uh, I'm pretty out on Aaron Boone at this point. You know, I'm not one of the people that thinks, oh, if you fire Boone now, it's going to completely change this team's fortunes. I don't. It's not going to necessarily make this team hit. But at the same time, I do question a lot of his managerial moves sometimes from lineup construction to to bullpen management. He horribly managed the bullpen that Sunday night game against the Red Sox. We should have won that game easily. Uh,. Cashman is, Cashman is tougher. Cashman is tough because, on the one hand, I hate how much job security Brian Cashman has. I don't think anyone should be a GM for this period of time. I think his last name is essentially Steinbrenner at this point. There's no sense of urgency, and that's kind of what causes him to never really lose a trade. Like, you look at a lot of these other World Series teams, they've made big moves. Like, the 2018 Red Sox, that was a balls-on-the-table move Dave Dombrowski made getting chris sale you know dealing his top two prospects to get an ace but at the same time dave dombrowski also completely depleted that form system so you need something in the middle cashman hasn't really had a nuts on the table kind of trade like i guess his riskiest trade reason his trade was maybe the sunny gray deal in 2017 but he seems afraid to lose a trade so what i will give him credit for is a really quick rebuild after selling at the deadline in 2016 with a game of the World Series in 2017. I think he deserves to at least see this core through to see if they can win a World Series. But at some point, you've got to put the pressure on them and say, listen, if you don't win a World Series with this team, we're not letting you hire the next manager. We're not letting you you know, sell off at the deadline again. So put some pressure on the guy and say, great job getting us to the precipice. Get us over the hump where you're going.
0: Would you hire a guy like Buck Showalter?
1: I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Would
0: Would you hire a guy like Buck Showalter to be manager? I think Buck
1: could be a good fit. I think he's pretty much the other extreme, uh, you know, where Aaron Boone is a complete players manager. is uh, a little too lenient at times, I think Buck is the other way. I think Buck was a great manager. Do I know... If, he's the good perfect manager for this team in the year 2020 or 2021 I'm sorry I don't know Uh, I think if the Yankees were choosing a new manager whether it be today or you know after elimination whenever that may be I like Carlos Beltran I know that you know he obviously got fired for his involvement with the Astros scandal even though he wasn't actually suspended Cora Hinch were both suspended they both already have jobs so why not let Beltran get a chance? I actually kind of wanted him the first time around when he was interviewing along with Aaron Boone before the 2018 season. I think he'd be a great manager. He's already been in the organization. Uh, so he would be the guy I would give a chance to if Aaron Boone does, not fact, get fired.
0: Over the next four years, you know, we'll see Judge as a free agent, Sanchez as a free agent, Severino as a free agent, and a possible Glaber Torres extension. If you can only keep two out of those four, who are you keeping and why?
1: So, I think Glaber is a no-brainer for me right now. Uh, I mean, I love Glaber Torres, big Labor guy. You know, it's been concerning to see that he's kind of leveled off a little bit and the power's gone, but he has been a lot better of late. Uh, I do think Glaber's a very mental guy where if he struggles in the field, he takes it to the plate and vice versa. So, hopefully, you know, he's working through these struggles. Uh... And like I said, he has been a lot better the past month or so. So I like Labor Tours a lot. Then it's tough. I think I think I have to go Aaron Judge just because of how talented the guy is. Uh, you know, he's legitimately one of the top five players in baseball when he's healthy, five tool guy. Uh, and you hear guys talk about his presence in the clubhouse. Garrett Cole has described him as a superhero in the clubhouse. Like I I think it matters. I think his presence to this team matters. I'm hoping that this is the year where he finally takes the next step up as a leader of this team and kind of fills the void the guys like cc left open um so i think glaber glaber and judge would be my guys no no disrespect to gary and Sevy, but we just haven't seen enough from them over the past couple of years you know Sevy is a great pitcher when he's healthy but he's had his guy with injuries and gary we know he's capable of being the best hitting catcher in baseball but at the same time, you know, he goes through stretches where he's absolutely unplayable. So uh, I hope all four of those guys are Yankees for a long time. But if I had to pick two, I would just say labor and Judge.
0: Judge will be a free agent at 31 years old. Would mm-hmm. you give him more than a five-year deal?
1: I really would try not to. I, I think five years is a perfect sweet spot for him. Uh, and look, I'm hoping that Aaron Judge comes to kind of the same realization that maybe DJ LeMahieu came to, that He's better off being in New York. You know the Yankees are always going to try and put a team around you that wins ball games. You know he's Mister New York. He's got the endorsement deal with Pepsi and Jersey Mike's and all these places. You know he's a star. He's a bigger star playing for the Yankees than he would be playing anywhere else in baseball. So, uh, do I think you know another team throws a bigger, longer deal at him and tries to pry him away from us? You know maybe it's possible, but we also have no idea what this contract is going to look like. Given his health over the past three years, you know, knock on wood. Obviously, he's done a good job staying healthy so far this year. So if you could put together, you know, a couple hundred forty, hundred fifty game seasons this year and next year, you're talking about a lot more money than you would be, you know, as opposed to the end of last year. So we'll we'll see what happens. I think five years makes sense for him at thirty one, but you know, who knows?
0: See, that's what I'm most worried about, man. He's gonna play one thirty one forty this year. He's going to play 140-150 next year. He gets a 5-7 through seven year contract for like 175 to $240 million. And then he's going to get hurt a lot. That's what happened with Severino. And watch, that that's what's going to happen too. He's going to come back from Tommy John, pitch a good second half, pitch good next year, then get signed by the Yankees or somebody else and get hurt again. That's why I don't want to give these deals to these players. They get hurt oh, too much, it's not worth it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's tough. I mean, especially when you look at, you know,
1: they have, uh, I believe, six more years of Stan. You know, DJ has five years after this. Hicks is still on the books for a couple years after this. And then Cole is he's on the books for seven more years after this. So they don't want to put themselves in the same position that they were in, you know, in the mid-2010s where you had an aging Teixeira, an aging CeCe, you know, Jeter, all these guys on big money deals that were, you know, past their prime and, and somewhat injury prone. So... You know, hopefully, Judge you know proves himself to be able to stay healthy, and this all doesn't matter. But you know, we'll see. I think I think the next two years are going to drastically change the value of his next contract.
0: How did you become a Yankee fan?
1: I mean, I've been a Yankee fan for as long as I can remember. You know, my dad has been a big Yankee fan his whole life. His dad's a big Yankee fan. Uh, so pretty much since I was a little kid, you know, watching games, going to games. Um, yeah, and I've just, you know, I've just uh, just been obsessed with them ever since.
0: Okay, and talk to us about Bronx, Bronx Pinstripes. How did you get with them?
1: Uh, so, I've been blogging the Yankees a little bit on and off for the past, uh, I guess, since 2017, so past five seasons. Um... You know, it was something I was just kind of doing for fun, and, and it still is. You know, I don't I don't get paid to do Bronx pinstripes. Obviously, I have you know a, a real day job that I do, um, but I really got back into it over the beginning of quarantine. Got back into blogging. You know, even though there are no sports on, I'm just kind of talking about whatever. Uh, you know, pumped out a couple vlogs a week, uh, and I've read BP like you know since probably 2016 2017. So I uh, just applied, sent them some of my work. Uh, Andrew, who's one of the main guys over there, hosts the Yankees podcast along with Scott. Uh, hit me up and said, "Think you'd be a good fit," and I've uh, been blogging there since uh, July of last year.
0: What's your thoughts on the possible using Clint Frazier's trade bait this year? I mean, the, the thing
1: with Clint is you don't know what his value is at this point. I think it's pretty low given that he's a bat first outfielder and he's, you know, hitting around 200. So, you know, the, 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 the thing with Clint, I, part of me kind of wishes we sold high on him or I guess whatever kind of high would have been after he had a good stretch in 2020. At the same time, I was very excited for him to become the everyday left fielder. It's something we've been waiting for since 2017, and then obviously he got kind of screwed by a couple moves they made. He had the concussion in 2018 when he would have played a ton, so I was excited for him to get his chance. He's squandered it. At the same time, he has been a little bit better of late, so I'm still holding that hope. But look, we'll see what Clint Frazier's value is come July 31st, maybe he's the starting left fielder again, he's taking the job from Andahar maybe has taking the job and pushed it away, maybe they're both still hitting 200 and we gotta go out and trade for, for two outfielders, so we'll see what happens, I'm, I'm not against trading Clint Frazier, but at the same time you gotta hold out hope that he at least gets some trade value back before you can really consider it
0: Next year is gonna be a great shortstop free agent class Pro- probably the best with the names of, of athletic ability and skill over over at least twenty years of baseball, if the Yankees were to get one of those shortstops w- from from one through five, who who would you want first and why? I mean,
1: Corey Seager is my because he fits the team so well. Uh, we saw him ball out in the playoffs last year, World Series MVP. So that's good to see that you know he can rise to the occasion. And obviously, he's that lefty bat. You stick him in the three hole between Judge and Stan, you know, he would absolutely rake at the stadium, so uh, I love Corey Beaker, Um, but at the same time, you know, some of these other guys are intriguing, too. I mean, Trevor Story, I think you could argue, is the best shortstop in baseball. You know, the dude is unbelievable defensively, hits for a ton of power, Uh, but he's a little bit redundant in our lineup, a righty guy that strikes out a lot, but at the same time, if you're as good as Trevor Story and putting up those kind of power numbers, I really don't care how much you strike out. Uh, Correa would never come here, but that would be pretty funny. You know, a little interesting kind of villain story coming to New York. He is a great player. You know, He is a clutch player, a real athletic shortstop, a little bit injury-prone, though. And then Baez is a guy where he's just so feast or famine. I think he, he's like too close of a fit to a lot of other guys in our lives, Much I love watching Javi Baez play, especially on the defensive side. Uh, you know, but at, at the same time, would I be upset with any of those four guys coming here? You know, no, they're all unbelievable shortstops. But you've got to get into, you know, what we were talking about before. If you're already paying Stan, you're, you know, you extend DJ. Picks is only making $10 million on the books for a couple more years, though. You have the cold contract, and then you want to keep around judging Klayber. How many position players are you going to pay big money? So, it's tough. I don't know if the Yankees come away with any of those guys, but if they do, Seeker's my guy.
0: Speaking of Javi Baez, last month we saw what should have been an out turn into a ridiculous double that should have never been done. I don't know what the Pirates are doing teaching baseball. Then, just yesterday, a young player should have hit a home run, but he misses first by a good five inches. So, one, are the Pirates bad for baseball? And two, do you think they're so irresponsible that they're not teaching their players how to play the game of baseball.
1: I mean, I think the Pirates are bad for baseball, and not necessarily because of those two things, but uh, you know, they're the prime example of a pretty team, not putting out a legitimate MLB caliber team on the field, ownership being cheap. I think it's one of the main reasons why baseball doesn't need a salary cap. They need a salary floor because the Pirates and their disgustingly low payroll and their ownership group is really one of the things that's plaguing baseball. So yes, the Pirates are bad for baseball. On the Baez play, I saw a lot of people giving him credit for trying to get into a rundown. That's just sort of the dumbest play I've ever seen in baseball history. We walked to first base. I, guy had a brain part, it happens, you know, I, I'm i not trying to, you know, rip on him too much, but man, like that, I forget the first base name, but that is just brutal, and then Cabrian Hayes is actually a stud, I like him a lot, he needs to be a really good player in this league for a long time, just a bad break, man, I, that sucks for him too, I felt bad, but, uh, yeah, no, the Pirates are, uh, Pirates are definitely interesting. Uh, let's
0: see, let's see. Oh, okay, so, at the end of this year, You know, they'll have to do CBA. Players and owners will have to get together. Do you think we'll see baseball next year? I hope so, man. I really hope so. I mean, those negotiations in the 2020 season were really, really ugly.
1: I think it spells the worst. At the same time, at least they did settle. You know, who's to say? I'm just praying that they can come to some sort of agreement because I really don't think baseball can survive another lockout. Not that the league will fold or anything, but I think they're already trying to do what they can to, you know, catch up to the NBA and the NFL in some ways. And not that baseball will ever be football or, you know, NBA is massively popular for certain reasons, but, you know, everything they're doing right now, and I think Rob Manfred's is doing a horrible job at it, is to try and grow the popularity of the game, especially with the casual fan. Nothing's gonna make people lose interest more than a lockout and a work stoppage. You know, last time it took steroids to get the league fully back. You know, that nineteen ninety eight home run race. That's when people really started to get back into baseball again after the nineteen ninety four uh, lockout. But uh, yeah, man, they uh, they they definitely need
0: to figure out a way to have a full baseball season next year. Aaron Judge just hit a home run to left off of Randy Dobnak. So Yankees mm-hmm. early lead. That's good. Um, Huge. If, if I'm the Players Association, the main thing I'm looking for is it's six years till free agency. Make, okay. it, f- make it five. And then the one thing the owners are probably going to look for is expand the playoffs just so they can get more money. And, and I'd also want Universal DH and for extra innings to be real baseball. So, if those are some of the things that's on the table, do you think that they'd just be able to say, you know what, this is good for the game, let's just agree to this so you guys can get on the field?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I do think we're going to see expanded playoffs as part of the CBA if we do get a peaceful uh, agreement, as much as I hate it. Look, it was fun last year after the 60-game season to get that wild card where it seemed like there was four games of baseball going on every single moment. That was great. But after 162 games of baseball, they got to figure out a better format than just a three-game series with home field advantage. That's not good enough for a team that goes 105 and and, 57 to just say, okay, yeah, you're home for a best of three-game series. You run into a team with a hot pitcher, anything can happen. So, If they do keep the expanded playoffs, I hope they change the format As far as service time manipulation, I'm with you. That is horrible. It's one of the worst things they do. Uh, I think a a creative solution is my buddy HBT has been on it. I think I've seen a couple other people say it too. Maybe incentivize players for signing long-term deals with the teams that drafted them. Uh, by having it count less against the luxury tax for certain teams, kind of like how in the NBA, you know, only the team that drafted you or the team you like that the you're with you to the supermax. As opposed to if you leave, you know, make it so it's easier on a team like the Rays or the Royals to keep a guy they drafted and say, hey, we're gonna pay you this money, but it counts less against the luxury tax. So how much does that work? I don't know. I think there's something creative they could probably do around that, but they definitely just pick service time manipulation. Hate the runner on second rule. Hate seven double headers. I hope those go away forever. They're using COVID as the excuse this year. You know that they want to keep it around, so they won't be able to use the excuse next year. Uh, Just one other thing. I think they got to treat minor leaguers better. I think that's got to be in the next CBA. Pay minor leaguers a living wage, man. Some of these meals you see them eating are terrible you hear about guys having to like sleep in their cars and stuff it's just i get that the minor leagues are a grind and it's not going to come with all the amenities of being on the big league club but come on these are billion dollar
0: organizations you can pay your minor leaguers a fair livable wage so if you can make three changes to have minor leagues a little bit more better how would you do it and and per level like three changes per level
1: um I think I think mostly I would just have teams invest in, you know, providing healthy food for their players. I think just a good diet instead of, you know, making them eat cheap food like fast food all the time i think it's better because if you're investing in your minor league guys with a healthier diet you know they're gonna be more big league ready and have you know better bodies and just be healthier for when someday you need to call them up so i think the food is a big one i think paying them a livable livable wage is a big one you know these guys make under minimum wage i'm not advocating to say these they should be making hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars like i get it you kind of need to crack the show to cash in for the big payday but they can make more money than they can uh, and then past that I don't really I don't really doubt just these guys just just need to be treated fair like like you know like real people honestly and in some ways right. they're not.
0: that's, that's true um, this is this is kind of something that could make it becoming first in your league better like just for just for the first round of the playoffs the best record in the national League best record in the American League. Those two teams get to pick their first playoff matchup. Would you like that? See, I I, I think it would make for an
1: interesting format. I think the selection show would be cool, but at the same time, now you're forcing the higher seed to put a chip on the other team's shoulder, you know. And especially in a best of three series, like I said before, anything can happen. So I think that the two ideas I've heard tossed around that I like the best, one would be have a play-in wild card tournament similar to what we saw from the NBA this year. You know, say you take your top, you know. Four to to six teams, you know, and say, you know what, these teams are locked in. They're in the player. I guess it would be your top, you know, five teams, right? Right. You can, your traditional, like how we've been doing, your uh, three, your top three. Make it, and then, you know, you have your two wild cards, and then for that six seed, you let the, you know, six, seven, eight teams duke it out, where seven plays eight, winner plays six, or something like that. You know, some kind of wild card tournament the week leading up to the division series, I think could maybe be an interesting alternative. I don't know. Or, if you're going to go with a three-game series... Have the higher seed only needs to win one game. So every the one, two, three, four seed they start off one game to nothing. So you make the lower seed win two consecutive games in a row to advance. Whereas the higher seed only needs to win one game. So I hate expanded playoffs as it is. I really feel like we're going to see it in the next CBA. So I'm just hoping that
0: if we do see it, that they at least figure out a better format than what we had in 2020. What if what if you leave the playoffs where it is, but you make the wild card round? Best of three and then ALDS ALCS World Series best of seven.
1: Yeah, I could absolutely live with that. You know, I, I kind of hate the short series ALDS as it is, you know. I would not mind at all if they moved that to a best of seven and then you know, you see a best of three wild card series, you know, at, at a neutral site. So yeah, no, for for sure. I, I would much rather prefer the five team format and then have uh, you know, then have the eight teams in each league. I, just because I think in some years it's already so watered down, you know, it got hidden a little bit by the 60-game season because no not a lot of teams really established themselves. I mean, the Miami Marlins had a negative 40-run differential in the regular season uh, and, and then ended up, you know, winning a playoff series on the road. So anything can happen in, in a small sample size. But over 162, I don't really believe that at this point where baseball is at that there are eight teams in each league deserving of making the playoffs. So I, I like the five – uh, five team format in each league, and yeah, I would be more than you know, more than okay with them going to seven game ALDS, three game wild card series.
0: What have you liked so far about the NBA playoffs?
1: Uh, well, I didn't like the Knicks getting bounced in five in the first round. I'm a big Knicks fan, uh, so uh, so that definitely uh, was not great. Uh, I've I've been watching a lot of the Phoenix Suns. You know, I watched Suns Lakers a lot. You know, Devin Booker is absolutely electric to watch. I like watching Nikola Jokic, Luka, you know. Outside of the Knicks, I'm not a huge NBA fan in terms of keeping up with you know the, all the rivalries necessarily. But some of these talents, I mean, you just got to love watching what they can do with the basketball in their hands. And, and as much as I hate the guy for what he did to my team,
0: Trey Young is unbelievable. That dude is a stud. So far, the Brooklyn Nets only have one playoff loss. Do you think they'll win the championship this year?
1: Oh, absolutely! I, I I think they're a lot. I I'm mad at myself for not putting money on them coming into it. You know, I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but you look at the teams that win the NBA championship nine times out of ten. It's just the team with the most talent. You know, and Kevin Durant is, I think, the best scorer I've ever seen play basketball. The dude can beat you in so many ways. I saw a stat the other day. It was something like KD has the highest uh, percentage. Of contested threes taken so far in the playoffs. Something like 70% of his threes are contested, and he's shooting like 50% on those contested threes. Like he's literally unguardable. Kyrie Irving might be a whack job, but he has some of the greatest handles you've ever seen. Cole just strikes out Josh Donaldson. Love to see that.
0: And that Um, was a nice pitch right down the middle, too
1: perfect no you just said here's my here's my shit did it and he fucking did what a loser but um and and then James Harden who is you know obviously hurt right now he's been a completely different guy since the Nets acquired him too you know he's you know I think in Houston he kind of needed to fill the role where he was kind of hoisting up shots but now that he's playing alongside some other stars he could be more of a distributor and a playmaker so that they're special man I mean Obviously, as a Knicks fan, go back and forth with Nets fans, but I mean, that is a great team. There's a, and I didn't even mention Joe Harris, who's one of the best spot-up shooters in all of basketball. So they are a special, special team. Blake Griffin, Find the Founder
0: Youth. I'd be, I'd be borderline shocked if they didn't win the title at this point. And how, how did you like what your team did in the NFL draft, and what do you think they'll do in this upcoming season?
1: So I'm a big Giants fan. I, I love the draft, personally. Uh, you know, just. just to trade back and get a first round pick, what Dave Gettleman has never done with the Chicago Bears, who I don't think will be very good this year. I mean, who knows if Justin Fields starts right away and I think he's going to be good, then maybe, but I don't see the Justin Fields, Andy Dalton combination of winning them a ton of games. You know, they do have a good defense, but, um, you know, hopefully that pick will be pretty high. So that's definitely significant. They get Kadarius Tony, who I think is going to be a big weapon for us. You know, the Giants' offense was very boring and not dynamic last year. You know, guys couldn't really get separation. Tony is an awesome separator, unbelievable athlete. He's going to make the weapons more dynamic. They go sign Galladay, uh, Saquon coming back off the torn ACL. The Giant offense has a lot more weapons this year, and that's exactly what they needed because it's decision year on Daniel Jones, and you can't have the no-weapons
0: excuse anymore. So this is the year we really see what Daniel Jones is made of. I was just about to get there. Year three, f- fumbled a lot year one, took care of that a little bit last year. What, what do you most want to see from Dan- Daniel Jones this season? I mean, the turnover is the easy answer, right? You just
1: said it. Uh, but the thing is with Daniel Jones... He was looking a lot better early on last year. Then he suffers the injury, and he took it took him a while to get back. You know, he wasn't fully healthy coming back. You know, he probably should have missed more time than he did. It's admirable he played through it. But that's the biggest thing I want to see out of him is health. You know, I think people, when they talk about, Daniel Jones, and you know when they talked about Sam Darnold, he was here. None of those guys have put up a fully healthy 16 game season yet in New York. So I think Daniel Jones, you got to see him go out and start every single game this year because otherwise, I think you know it's going to leave questions about, oh, is he healthy? Oh, you know, is he not in a rhythm? He needs to go out and play every single game, and I think it's something we really took for granted, having Eli Manning all those years, who literally never missed a game. So, I I really want to see Danny be healthy. I I, I believe in him. I think if he can stay healthy, play 16 games,
0: he's got the weapons now where he can be successful. And also, last year, one of the games Daniel Jones lost ended up being a close game against the Bucs. Going into this year, do, do you now expect him to win games like that to where he kind of don't force balls to be intercepted, and he just throw, throws it away. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's something that you definitely need to see from him.
1: Uh, you know, that Bucks game definitely stings because the Bucks are real good. It was a close game. The Giants could have won, should have won, and that was Daniel Jones' worst game of the year by far. So, yeah, in, in year three, you need to see him making the plays that win you games instead of lose them, and sometimes that play is, you know, throwing the ball you know out of bounds and, and, and not throwing a stupid pick.
0: And speaking of throwing it away, Tom Brady's about to get into year twenty-two, seven championships. Okay, and and I'm I'm a Patriot fan, so I've seen six of them. Okay. Is Tom Brady not only the greatest winner in NFL, but if 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 not the greatest quarterback? Because some people could say Name Namath, some people could say Dan Marino is is he top 5 quarterback of all time Oh he's the best quarterback of all time I
1: I have no doubt saying that look I'm a huge Derek Jeter fan. I'm a big Derek Jeter defender on Twitter. Uh, I'm calling him overrated. And what's your case on Derek Jeter? Well, he played a full season's worth of postseason games at an all-star level. You call out how many you know, plays he made, you know, how many hits he had in, in the big clutch moments, and five rings, right? So how could I say that and be a hypocrite and say, oh, well, I know Tom Brady has you know, won seven Super Bowls and been to ten of them. Uh, X, y, Z. I mean, the guy's the GOAT. There's no two ways of, about it. Uh, and it became a little bit easier for me to see him win this last year bowl as opposed to the other six just because I, I, can't, you know, I can't deal with Boston fans' success. You know, Obviously, the Giants did beat the Patriots in two of those Super Bowls, so I was okay with it. So it's not really the Patriots I hate, but Patriots fans are Red Sox fans, and I, I, I don't deal well with those people being happy. So now that Tom's at least in Tampa, I don't really care about the Bucks. Uh, you know, I definitely don't, uh, don't have as much animosity towards them as I did.
0: Okay, I'm. I'm glad you went to Jeter, cause that's where we we was gonna go next. Where we're gonna get to the dock. We're gonna get to the Hall of Fame. But a lot of people over the past many many years have been crapping about Jeter's defense. You know, you me- you mentioned the defensive run saves. I don't even think that's these stats that we have now. They used back then. So so. I think it's incredibly stupid that they use it now, when they didn't use it when he was playing. But what would you say to the typical person that that says, "Oh, sure, sure, Derek's a Hall of Famer. Sure, Derek won five rings. He got the three thousand hits. Da da da." But he sucked at shortstop. What What would you say to those people? I mean, look. Is Derek
1: Jeter's defense overrated in the minds of casual fans? Yeah, like, he, he didn't deserve those gold gloves. I don't think he wins them if his name isn't Derek Jeter. That being said, I'm with you. I think it is a little bit stupid to go back and apply some of these defensive metrics that were not around during his playing career to a guy, you know, five years after he retires. Um Look, Derek Jeter made the simple plays. He was on five world championship teams I just outlined. He played like 160 postseason games. He wasn't some liability at shortstop. He just didn't have great range. So if you want to say Derek Jeter's defense was overrated, you know what? I agree with you. That's fine. But people jump straight to that all the time. These are the same people who obsess over Fernando Tatis Jr. As they should. He's a stud. He's not a great defender whatsoever. And you look at what Derek Jeter did with a bat. He has the 20th highest offensive war of any player ever. The third shortstop behind only A-Rod and Honus Wagner. You know, I, I outlined the clutch moments. He's sixth all-time in hits. He was a great baseball player for a very long time in the most demanding media market in the league. So people can shit on him, do whatever they want. All that matters is Yankee fans know what he means to us, and he's one of the best but ever put on the pinstripes.
0: I agree, and we're going to have a great documentary probably summer of next year. You know, a lot of people say, okay, we're, we're going to see stuff that we already know because Bukovic got to be Yankee-driven, and then you'll probably see Hall of Fame stuff, and you'll probably see him with the Marlins. So do you, do you think like he kept stuff because he knew he'd do a doc someday? Are, are you really excited to see this documentary, or do you think it would just be stuff that we all we already know about?
1: I'm a huge Jeter fan, so obviously I'm going to watch every second of this documentary. Do I think it's going to tell us too much that we don't already know? No, I really don't. I, I think The Last Dance was kind of unique because it had that behind-the-scenes footage from Jordan. I think Jordan is kind of like a spiteful guy, so it was cool hearing him talk about you know all the different rivalries he had throughout his career. I, I think Jeter's just been so buttoned up forever, you know, able to stay out of the limelight in New York for his entire playing career. I don't think he's going to come out and say, you know, too much you know i i hope he talks about you know the the, the stand trade with cashman i doubt he will i want him to talk about his relationship with Arod. i doubt he will if jeter truly opened up to us it would be a fucking awesome documentary but it, do i think it's going to be anything earth
0: shattering probably not would you want to hear about the women Oh, of course, but I think that's the least likely
1: thing now. I mean, he, he, you know, he's married with two kids, so I, I would think that's pretty much a lock not to be in there. But yeah, of course. I mean, if Jeter went through his, you know, his his dating diamond, telling stories about, uh, you know, Jessica Alba and Mariah Carey and Mika Kelly, yeah, of course I'd watch fucking, you know, I'd watch a twenty part docu series on that. But <laughs> it's not gonna
0: happen. Uh, what do you think about him finally getting into the hall this year? With with last year being COVID. What are you yeah, looking no. forward to most It's awesome. Uh, I was actually
1: planning on going with some buddies when it was supposed to be in July. Uh, then they ended up uh, saying that no fans were allowed. Now, I think just yesterday they moved it to September 8th now, and there are going to be fans allowed a Wednesday, so I don't know if I'm going to go. But I'm just glad he gets to go in with some sort of crowd there because uh, it, it would have really sucked if there was no one there for Derek Jeter's enshrinement. So, uh, happy for him. I mean... You know, obviously comes one vote away from being unanimous, which, whatever, uh, still second-highest vote total ever after Mariano Rivera. I think it's stupid that some people hold in their card, like, oh, this guy needs to be unanimous. Like, the fact that guys like Ken Griffey Jr., Greg Maddox, you know, Randy Johnson, like, who isn't voting for these guys? I think that's stupid. Uh, A lot of the Hall of Fame voters are too into themselves and whatever. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm psyched to see him finally go in. He absolutely deserves it.
0: Yeah, uh, that's that's very good. You know, a lot of people gave crap to Mariano, too. Oh, it should have been Nolan Ryan. It should have been Ken Griffey Jr. You know, they they, they could have got it 100%. But you know what it is? Yankee hate. People hate the Yankees.
1: Uh-huh. That's,
0: that's what it is. Um, You know, so overall, do you think the Yankees will make the playoffs this year? And do you think we'll finally see a World Series?
1: You know, I, I do think they make the playoffs. I do think they turn around. Like I said earlier, there's too much time left. I think the back of some of these guys' baseball cards is too good for them to... Keep Up to this level, you know, as long as we can get Boyd back healthy, keep staying on the field. I think Labor's already showing signs. You know, Gary's picking it up, Judge's having his best years of 2017 so far. And DJ has to be better than this, even if DJ isn't as good as he's been the last two years. He's better than this right now. He's not a 90 WRC plus player, you know, he's definitely better than that. Uh, so, I do think they make the playoffs. Hopefully, they make a run at the division. Uh, and then, I mean, once they get into the playoffs, who knows? Anything happens. I think the biggest thing there is, you know, if, if they have Cole Kluber, uh, Severino all healthy, then I think they got a fighting chance against anybody. So, yeah, I uh, I, I really do hope they we at least get a pennant this year, but who, who knows?
0: And that's my boy Brett Gardner with the RBI double. Um, Aaron. you know, and and too many Yankee Twitter hates on him. I. You know, I get it, he's 37 years old, but what, I, I don't get it. What do they really expect from a 37-year-old player? He's the healthiest Yankee known to man. You know, it, even if you add all his little injuries, it probably don't equal to 40 games of 162-game season.
1: Uh-huh.
0: He's, he's great on defense, made that great catch last night. Clint probably does not make that catch. So, I don't know what they're expecting. He, he wasn't going to hit 25 home runs like he did a year ago. He's not going to hit 15 home runs. But if he can get to 240 to 250, play 110 games, 120 games, and have 40 RBIs, 7, 10 home runs, why is that a problem? I, I don't get the hate. Yeah, no, listen, I was an advocate for
1: having Guardy back at the same time. Is he an everyday outfielder at this stage in his career? No, he's not. So I, I think some of the hate is a little bit misguided for the fact that he just shouldn't be playing every day because that's not what he was signed to do. So I do think the Yankees need to add a center fielder somewhere externally uh, you know, and move Carter back to that role of being a fourth outfielder that starts a couple times a weekend. really, he's big because, you know, if either Miguel Andohar or Clint Frazier Ends up hitting well enough where they're a staple in the everyday life of this team. Those guys are both bad outfielders. You know, you look at the the Red Sox series. On Saturday night, Andohar missed a ball that would have been, that ended up being a double off the bat of Xander Bogarts. That leads to Devers' two-run single. Gardner catches that, no problem. And then Clint... In right field, that play where DJ dropped the pop-up trying to make an automatic catch, Clint's got to catch that ball. Clint's not a good outfielder. So if either of those guys end up playing every day, especially if you do get into a playoff scenario, I want Brett Gardner coming into the game for them in the sixth, seventh inning and providing that lockdown defense that we've known his entire career.
0: Right. For me, that's where I give Miggy a little bit more of a leash. homie's Homie's a third baseman. Just, just trying to get at bats. So, what, what he's gonna be in outfield is what he's gonna be. So far, he hasn't been terrible. He's actually made more plays than I thought. Okay, he had no business making those plays. The one in Boston, it is, it is what it is. He, he misjudged the ball. You know, Clint may say he, he shouldn't be in right field, which he shouldn't. But he's, he's more of an outfielder. He needs to do better. So, if we're gonna get to a point where Maybe it is Floreal, or maybe it is Cattell Marte. But if Mickey's going to hit, then that's going to put Clint Frazier on the bench. Because eventually, you're just going to have to get to the point where, hey, if Judge is going to get hurt, he's going to get hurt. But he has to be in right field. Because Clint Frazier, he has no arm. There was a couple plays last last week where Ray said sacks flies. If Judge is out there, they do not score runs.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I give Mickey a ton of credit. He looks a lot more comfortable out there and left than I thought he would this early on. He looks way better there than he ever looked at third base, that's for sure. Um, And you're right, there's no excuse for Clint. Clint is a career outfielder. He came out as an outfielder. The fact that he is not making simple plays at this stage of his career is very scary. but at the same time, you know, with Andujar, is he going to get to the point where you trust him in the ninth inning of a one-run game? You know, probably not. I want Brett Gardner in that spot. So, yeah, it, it definitely is a, a concern. But uh, it's, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there.
0: Oh yeah, postseason baseball. Andujar. Once it's the seventh inning, if if it's not Guardy, it's it's going to be Wade, and Wade won't won't make a bad outfielder simply just because of speed. He has enough speed to make up to where if, if he goes back instead of front first or front instead of back first, his speed can make it. So, Stanzo, it's been a fantastic conversation, man. Love yourself on Twitter. Tell the people where they, where they can find you on social and, and, and what you're doing next.
1: Thank you, my guy. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Appreciate you having me. Uh, Twitter, you can find me at Incasanzo24, tweeting pretty much all things Yankees and a little bit of, you know, Knicks, Giants, Rutgers. Uh, touch on all those. Uh, my blogs on Bronx Pinstripes usually drop every Wednesday, so shoot them a follow at Bronx Pinstripes. I also tweet from that account every once in a while. Um, and that's pretty much it. I do YouTube with my buddy Rob, so click the link in the bio. Got a bunch of videos,
0: mostly on baseball. Uh, that's just about it. And last question: If Gary Cole is great because of the sticky stuff, and let's say instead of 19 wins a year, he gets you 16, 17. Instead of 250 plus strikeouts, he gets you 185. Instead of a mid, no mid to ERA or under two, he gets you 280. Will you sign up for that? Do do you feel like the Yankees got bamboozled?
1: I don't feel like they got bamboozled. All I ask out of Garrett Cole is just be a true ace. You know, even if he isn't, you know, the second most dominant pitcher in baseball anywhere, which who knows what this entire league landscape is going to look like, you know, post-sticky stuff. I, I really do think a ton of guys use it. You know, we've heard anywhere from 70 to 90% of guys are using this kind of stuff. So we'll see what it looks like. Just be an ace for Garrett Cole. As long as he's a guy I am excited to hand the ball to in game one of the playoff series, a guy I'm excited to watch pitch every fifth day, that's fine by me.
0: All right, buddy. Take care.
1: All right, man. I'll talk to you.